Welcome to This Is What Democracy Sounds Like. I'm Kevin Prang. This program is a presentation of Metropolitan Congregations United. MCU is the community organization that brings together religious congregations, community groups, and individuals to work for a common purpose to create a better life for all residents of the St. Louis region. We work at the intersection of race, economy, political power, gender, and the structures of oppression at work within us individually, within our organization, and within the community. We are working towards building people's control of the government, building community control of the economy, expanding the public sphere, and creating structural racial equity. I have three guests with me today to talk about Raise the Age in Missouri, and I'll let you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves. Latricia, I'll let you start. Greetings. My name is Latricia Gandy, parent organizer with Metropolitan Congregations United, and also Break the Pipeline campaign, previous impacted mother who has taken on the role to also empower other families in the community to advocate for themselves. Thank you. My name is Cormon Leach. I am a parent organizer with Metropolitan Congregations United, working with Break the Pipeline campaign, Raise the Age, and I am a formerly impacted mother. My son was in the juvenile justice system. And with the help and support of Metropolitan Congregations United, he is currently at home. Hi, uh, I'm Christian Blackman, a community organizer, activist, um, and currently uh, the St. Louis organizer with Campaign for Youth Justice, a national organization. Okay, thank you very much. And thanks for joining us here today. And today we're gonna be talking again about Raise the Age. Um, and let's first review what is Raise the Age and when did it become law in Missouri? So Raise the Age um, will be going into implementation. The law has passed. Um, we'll be going into implementation January 1. Um, it is a law that passed a bipartisan bill that will um, have it so that 17-year-olds aren't automatically tried as adults and convicted as adults and go to adult prison. So that age will be raised from 17 to 18. Um, of course, there could be different circumstances in which a 17 year old might still go to adult prison, but they won't automatically be tried as adults. Um, so it's a big, huge win for the state of Missouri. Um, and yeah, so it, it is set to go into implementation at the beginning of next year. Okay, and you had an important distinction there that before raised the age, it was automatically every 17 year old was tried as an adult and that is what is being changed. Yes, that is what has changed, yep. So where do things stand now and what, what needs to happen next with the law? Um, so like I said, um, the law has passed, um, but a lot of times just because a law passed doesn't, also, doesn't always mean that, that it becomes real, <laughs> that, that communities really feel the impact of that. So a big part of what is um, currently what's happening now is the funding for um, Raise the Age um, to be implemented across the state. So um, fortunately in our region, St. Louis City and St. Louis County, um, they've been doing the work to um, make sure they're already doing the work actually to, to get the ball in motion that seven, a lot of the 17 year olds, so they're not, um, they're not certifying 17 year olds, they're not putting 17 year olds um, into adult prison. A lot of those 17 year olds are going to the juvenile system. Um, so they're, St. Louis City has a little bit of funding for that. St. Louis County doesn't have funding, but they're still doing the work um, to shift that. 
that isn't happening across the state broadly. And a big part of that is due to funding and lack of funding. So we need money for everything, right? Um, so a big part of that is, so now once these 17 year olds will be going into a, you know, and going to now a different system under the juvenile system, there has to be money to, to be able to take in those additional youth. So right now um, the funding isn't there, that there is some money that has been raised, but it's not the amount that the state says needs to be in place in order for the implementation to happen across the state. So, um, there is a panel, a blue ribbon panel that has been put in place to work on this. But as of now, that panel really hasn't been doing much activity around Raise the Age. So it's kind of in limbo at the moment. Um, so that's a big part of why we're doing some things in place, putting some things in motion to kind of push towards the state to make sure that Raise the Age actually goes into implementation um, as our, the people in power and the people in the positions and legislation has passed you know, signed it, it's, it's signed, it's ready to go. Um, so that's what's happening right now. The big piece right now is just the funding or lack of funding. Okay, and it's specifically funding for the juvenile justice system. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, so the big part of that is, yeah, the money that needs to go into place to support the entities that will now hold those 17 year olds. Um, so whatever resources, whether it's having an, a certain amount of bed, certain amount of room, resources, because um, resources will look a little different from say 11 year old versus a 17 year old. Um, so those different pieces, the funding that needs to go to make that happen. Now we've got an action coming up uh, scheduled in December. Tell us about that. When is it and how folks can participate? So yeah, so we're gonna actually, we're setting to have two different um, actions. One will be a virtual rally. Um, so we'll have that online um, on December the 10th. Yes, at 5 p.m. At 5 p.m. from 5 to 6, we're gonna have a virtual rally. And that virtual rally is really just gonna be, um, it's gonna be for community, really to educate them. Because even though a lot of, like we know what it is and some other entities know, um, there's still a broader community that doesn't necessarily know even what Raise the Age is. So this is an opportunity for us to um, educate community on what the race, on what Raise the Age is, that is something that is going to implementation and then that they'll be able to hear. Um, so we invited folks from St. Louis City, from St. Louis County, um, um, someone from Campaign from Youth Justice, um, the national organization to talk about the work that has happened in other states, what other states have seen, you know, issues that might have came up in these different states that Missouri might be facing now currently as well, to speak about that as well. So that virtual rally will really be kind of a, a informative type thing. Um, we're also, in, also going to invite um, some impacted youth, impacted families, so folks can hear from youth from those that are impacted with family, loved ones, children that have been within the juvenile system and that have been caught up around um, this particular issue. So we're inviting those folks to come on as well. Um, and then we're gonna have a call to action. So a couple calls to action. So one of the call to actions is just to have folks reach out to um, the state reps and the legislature and the folks that are on the blue ribbon panel and on the Blue Ribbon panel, uh, funny, unfortunately, <laughs> our region is doing a lot of work around it, but there's not anyone from our region that is on that Blue Ribbon panel. Um, so we want folks 
from the community to reach out to those on the blue ribbon panels and to just really push them to get back to work on this issue um, to make sure that raise the age goes into implementation as it was set to go into implementation. The next call to action would be the following day where we have set to have a, actually an in-person rally. And that rally will be kind of the same, but a little bit different. So that is really just an opportunity for us to have some more direct action. So we'll be talking about basically just saying, hey, race to age needs to happen. Whereas the virtual rally is more just talking about what it is. These are the next steps, et cetera, et cetera. The in-person rally is going to be, hey, this is what's going on. This needs to happen. We need the state to move on this. Um, we'll lift up the fact that St. Louis City and County, that our region is doing the work on it, but that the state needs to really support this to make this real. Um, and kind of the, the ongoing theme that we have around just saving our youth, protecting our youth, um, centering our youth and youth justice in that way. And then having, um, if we're able to get some other impacted youth or families around that to have them speak as well, because we want to make sure those voices are centered in all of this. So that's what the virtual, um, excuse me, that's what the in-person rally was go is going to be about. Um, we're still working out the logistics, of course. So that those are the two main things that we're working on. We're also going to see potentially about getting um, some things put into print. So either op-eds or articles around. We've done some in, in the past, as recent as just this summer around Raise the Age, but wanting to get that information back out to let folks know that this is something that is coming, but this is something that also may be potentially being held up, which is really important. And before I stop talking, but a real something really quickly that I want to add in that I feel like it's important is that now that we have Governor Parson has now gone and been voted in, and now he's permanently about to have a term, have his term as governor. But that Governor Parson just this summer was working to actually pass legislation to have youth as young as 12 years old go into and go to adult prison. So that would be totally undermining the work that has happened around Raise the Age. So I think it's important, even though that legislation didn't go past, there could potentially be another opportunity that Governor Parson does something like this again in the future. So um we want to make sure that we push um, this information out to the community so that they know um, what's going on, what's happening, and, and how they can really tap in with Metropolitan Congregations United, tap in with me and the work that I'm doing with Campaign for Youth Justice moving forward. And I want to make sure that the date was correct. It's December the 10th, which is a Thursday virtual rally at 5 p.m. And then the in-person rally will be December the 11th. So the, the, the next day, probably midday. Okay, great. And I was just looking at the Raise the Age Missouri uh, website, and I'm seeing that three key people on that blue ribbon panel are Representative Nick Schroer, um, Senator Wayne Wallingford, and Representative David Evans. I, I guess one thing people can do right away is, is is send an email to these folks and say, hey, yep. we're, we're paying attention and, and we, we want you to get on this. Is that correct? Yep, absolutely. Yep, putting in emails, calls, letting them know, hey, this is something that we want to make sure happens. This law passed and we want it to happen. And, and you know, even on just whatever side that you fall on, right or left, if we're going <laughs> to liberal, conservative, whatever, that this was a bipartisan bill so that it was both sides of the aisles worked on this particular bill to make it go through, um, to make it, you know, to make it pass. The hope is that they won't let this ball drop 
in making sure that it's implemented. Okay, great. And you had mentioned that there there have been efforts on the local levels with uh, Kim Gardner in the city of St. Louis, Wesley Bell in the county. Um, uh, do you have any more details about what they've been doing? And also, why why is that not enough at this point? Well, I will say a little bit that we know Wesley Bell is definitely on board. Um, there's still some conversation um, around Kim Gardner and what she can do and implement um, and again, it goes back to the funding and then the Blue River panel and their decisions. Um, so right now, that's all of kind of what we know as for now. But we do need them both to be on the same page um, and make the same decisions because it's very, very important for our youth. I think especially in the St. Louis community where, where um, judicial boundaries are so close together and it's easy to be on one side of a line or, or another, I would imagine that consistency is gonna be very important going, going forward in a metropolitan area like this. So um, wh what does raising the age mean for young folks, for those who are 17? And, and uh, you know, how does being treated as an adult affect someone who is 17 year old who, who goes into the justice system? Well, first of all, 17, you're still considered a child, right? So you're still developing and making decisions. Um, and adult imprisonment is not the, the total right way to handle that situation. We need those resources for those youth in, in a community. So not a residential facility, but more of a resource center um, that maybe the community is missing and that will help our youth rather than putting them in confinement especially in adult confinement. So what are some of the consequences for those 17-year-olds who up to this point have been going to adult prison? How, how does that impact um, their lives uh, going forward? Um, I'll just speak to a couple things um, as far as that goes, but um, numbers, sometimes people like numbers and like statistics and things like that. Um, but in... 17 year olds that go into adult prison, um, suicide rates are higher for these youth. Um, abuse, sexual and physical abuse numbers are higher for 17 year olds um, that are in adult prison. Um, so the, the care or lack of care <laughs> that you're able to give to a 17 year old who is a child that is amongst adults um, is just, you, you, it's really difficult to even speak on, really, of me thinking about being a 17 year old and finding myself um, to be amongst adults in prison. And a lot of times, uh, and not to say that there hasn't been violent crime amongst youth, however, a lot of times it's not violent crime. <laughs> a lot of times that these youth find themselves um, within the system in this way. Um, so, those type of things is something that is, is extremely impactful for these youth. And if they find themselves getting out and back out into the community, um, what is happening with them once they get out of that system? So what is happening and what support are they given? What support are, is their families given as well? And a lot of times with this is another piece too. Now that a 17 year old is being treated as an adult, this 17 year old isn't able to have contact with their mother or their father or their guardian because they're being treated as an adult, although they're still very much a child, they're still very much a youth. 
Um, so they're the decisions that they try to make are there. They really aren't able to make, which is a lot of times why these 17 year olds find have found themselves um, with charges, finding themselves stuck in jail um, for longer than they should be because they're being treated as an adult, but they're not really an adult. Um, so the numbers of what happens while youth are in prison, while these 17 year olds are actually in prison, and then the things that's happening before they get there, and then the things that's happening once they get out is very important for us to look at. It's a big part of the reason why legislation like this and work around this is extremely important um, because no children should be institutionalized. That's my personal opinion. <laughs> But uh, definitely they shouldn't find themselves in prison with with adults. And then they also lose that um, the resources for help once they are, you know, with the adults, they whatever underlying problem that was going on that could have possibly gotten them in that situation will never be dealt with. So even, you know, they go there, they do their time and then they're back out in the community. They will be still struggling with whatever problem that they went in there with. Okay, great. Well, that kind of rolls us to the next question here is let's let's talk a little bit about uh, what else MCU is doing uh, along the lines of Break the Pipeline. Um, specifically, tell us about the participatory defense meeting on Tuesday nights. What is it again and, and how is that going for folks? Absolutely. Um, yes, participatory defense. Um, it's a hub that we created as a community organizing model for people facing charges their families and communities to impact the outcome of cases and also transform the landscape of power in the court systems. So Tuesday nights at 6 p.m. we have a, we call it a platform where um, families, mothers, fathers, grandmothers can reach out to us for support and then tell their story. Um, It's not particularly geared around charges or any case information. It's more so geared around what can we do to help you build your power and your voice to advocate for yourself and for your child? Um, so in, in those things, we give them tools. One of the tools we use, we call it a social bio packet. Um, and with the social bio packet, so often society try to tell you who you are, but then this, this packet will show the court system who you are not the court system showing who you are. So we get letters. We have the youth and family write letters on behalf of themselves, of the character, the integrity, the family structure, um, any accomplishments that this youth may have had. Um, because, you know, it's not as Christian stated earlier, children are, all, are not always charged with heinous crimes that lead them into the juvenile system. So if we can paint that picture for the court system to see, hey, this is this youth. Um, these are some of the things that you all did not see or cannot see. And this is, you know, just for the, the families to build their own power. Um, I'm a previously impacted mother. So at one point, I myself created this social bio on behalf of my youth and and presenting that to not only the lawyer, but the the judge, it it helps with with whatever case or hearing you go through because the judges can't see that all the time. And and some of these public defenders, if you have one, they have caseloads. So they're not able to gather all that information. So here, MCU, 
we call it a participatory defense team. We support the families in those aspects. And if I could speak on it just for a moment, um, when during my process, um, when I went through this, the importance of this work, I, I didn't realize the importance of it because I had never found myself in this position before. And before they, um, MCU contacted me, I was all across the board. I, you know, not knowing my rights, the rights, any rights that my child had. And once they called me, the tools that they gave me were so powerful. And to the the knowledge, now I, I now have knowledge of what is going on and the process. So now I can assist my child more. I'm not frustrated. And the meetings, when I went to the meetings on Tuesday, they it is a blessing, the amount of support that they give you, staying in contact with you. And as she was speaking about the social bio, um, my son had told me that everybody, when you do something, it could be, whether it's small or big, they treat us all the same. And when we were doing our social bio, we were able to, as Latricia said, be able to show them this is who he is. This is, these are the things that he's done. This is where he comes from because we're all, we all so different. And because we are victims of so many things, you know, family, community, society, of, you know, we are cro the crossroads are so crazy. And when I did my social bio, it was a, I took, you know, ref I was reflecting as I did it, you know, the things that my son has done and then to find him in the place that he's in now, you know, I, I never signed up for this. Here I am. And seeing that made me even want to fight even harder because I knew this, he's, this isn't who he is. And so this is it, the, the, what we're doing at um, MCU as, and all of us as a whole, it's just so important. And if more people knew about what's going, the, the work that we do, we could be so powerful. That sounds like an amazing process. It sounds like you're, you're, you're taking the time to refocus on what you know about you, your family, your son uh, to be true and making sure you tell that story out to the court and to the world. And we've used this term before in changing the narrative. You're taking control of the story then, huh? Yes, absolutely. And it, it and learning the importance of changing the narrative. And I mean, that's, that's what we all about right now. In my household, at work, this is the way, this is what they expect from you. But we, we wanna show them what you are actually capable of. Carmen, can you tell me some more, maybe a couple of other specifics that you learned about the process that helped you in, in, in what you're dealing with? Going in and not knowing anybody, I did not. And it's with everything that's going on today, it, you almost go through life as if you know everything that you should know. And then being caught up in that 
you know, position I never expected to be. I did not know anything about the system. And they, you know, them giving me this information, helping me um, go going through the process with me and then being the support, giving me the um, all the paperwork, the brochures and different things to read through. It was, I, be, I believe, had I not gone through this with MCU, I honestly believe that my son's case would not have ended the way that he, it did. Because it was with, it was because he worked the process. And he, and, you know, did the, came out, the judge was actually able to see, okay, so this is exactly, I can look on this paper and see exactly what you're going to be doing from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed. And it gave me something. This is, now this is my power. I get to come home and, and rethink and redo things in my house household now, because now this is something that we're going to now abide by and we have something to look at. And, and, and it's, it's not anything that you do and then it's done and it's over because the things that they gave me are things that will stay with me. That's why I realized how important it is that I let the next mother know, okay, this is where we are now. This is only the beginning. When this is done, you're going to with everything that we're going to give you, you're going to want you're going to be running telling the neighborhood. It's this this is how important this is. That you know the the more people we are, the stronger we are. The louder our voices will be, and the more people we're going to affect. And then, if somebody is in that situation, how can they participate? What's the easiest way to join? Well, they can reach us on our platform. It's hashtag Love Youth. So that's hashtag L O V E. Y-O-U-T-H, hashtag love you. And then you will text 31996. And it will give you a registration form information. And you will reach me personally, um, Latricia Gandy. You can also email at lgandy, that's L-G-A-N-D-Y, at mcustl.com. Um, I'm the head organizer with the Family Partners Campaign. Um, so you can definitely do that. And you can also go on our website, at mcustl.org. And I also wanted to just speak a little bit about Corman. So one thing we do with the Family Partners Campaign Participatory Defense, we allow the families to know you're not alone through this process. We will walk this walk with you. Um, you will understand your rights because most families don't understand or juveniles, as we call them, youth. Um, we want to refer to them as youth and not juveniles. That they also have rights. So this information we will share in those Tuesday night meetings. One, you're not alone. Two, you have rights. And then we can also speak about the process and different people that sits in those seats that you will understand who your lawyer is, who the judge is, things of that nature. Christian, I want to come back to you. Uh, tell us more about the campaign for youth justice and uh, what is this group and what are the areas of focus? Yeah, um, so Campaign for Youth Justice is a national organization, and actually, they have actually um, closed their doors. They're closing their doors at the end of this year. Um, so they've been a national organization that have been working for quite a quite a while now, mainly around um, Raise the Age specifically, but really around incarcerated youth. 
So they've done work across the country, um, working with local organizations around pushing and supporting, getting funding for Raise the Age and other issues around youth incarceration and, and youth being institutionalized. So they, um, since once Missouri passed, they wanted to do some work here and they actually decided to pick St. Louis as the city that they wanted to do the work in because they looked at St. Louis as being a city in the region amongst the state that had the synergy and the energy um, to make sure that this would be implemented. Um, and so it, it really is, it really does for, for all of the fights that we have to fight in the state, for all of the fights that we have to fight in the city, um, it does really show um, the work that we do with so many organizers, activists, activists and organizations across the region. Because like I stated and we've been saying is that our region has been the region that has been making sure Raise the Age is a real thing. Um, so they brought me on um, two years ago now um, to be the regional, the local organizer within St. Louis to work on Raise the Age specifically. So I, I came in, did work around educating um, community, educating other organizations, um, convening space for the different entities to make sure that the implementation would happen how it needed to happen. Um, some of that shifted a little bit due to COVID. Um, so our group and MCU specifically um, responding to youth that um, are institutionalized and incarcerated of some type in some kind during COVID. So that shifted a little bit, but now we're pivoting back um, to raise the age um, since we're getting so close to the end of the year. Um, so that's the work Campaign for Youth Justice has done. Um, and yeah, I've just been really humbled and blessed to be able to, to, to come on to do this work specifically. Um, so yeah, so that's what Campaign for Youth Justice has done. <laughs> um, and the website will still be up for a while, the, the, the website that you referenced. So folks are still able to go to that website um, to see education around Raise the Age, uh, specifically to our state, the work that has happened and what work we're having moving forward. Okay, so since this change is, is taking place in um, that organization, so what, what does the future hold for you after the new year? Do you know that yet? <laughs> the future hold for me. Um, so for those that don't know me and for those that do know me, um, I do a lot of organizing and activism work in many different lanes. <laughs> so um, I still will be very much present. I don't know what that means specifically to um, how little or how much as it pertains to raise the age specifically, um, but I'm still gonna be doing this work throughout the remainder of the year. And I have a close relationship with MCU. Um, I've had a close relationship with MCU for a long time. I have a close relationship with many people that work at MCU for a very long time. Um, so my church, St. John's is part of the umbrella of MCU. So I won't be gone. <laughs> um, and I've done youth justice work um, in the past on more of a voluntary basis with, with MCU with around like um, break the pipeline and things like that. Um, but I will say that taking on a more, uh, a more in-depth role as it pertains to youth justice has really just moved me in the way um, that I feel like I wanna be more placed in, if that makes sense. 
Um, I love kids. I actually went to school to teach. So to be an organizer and now bringing in that around, around with youth and connecting it has just been something that's been like really, really cool. If I can say that organizing against oppression is cool. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so I can't totally say at the moment what that would look like in the future, but I will say that I will still very much be present. Like Latricia was like, what's going on? I'm like, I'm here still. Um, <laughs> my role might look a little different, but I'm going to be here. Um, I'm an advocate for you. Uh, I'm, a, I'm an advocate for our people, for Black folks specifically, and, and for our Black kids and families. So I'll be here. It might look a little different, but I'll be here. Right, right. Your heart's definitely still in the same place. Absolutely. Yeah. So once again, before we close this out, uh, remind folks about the uh, actions coming up in December. Give us those dates again and how folks can participate. All right. That will be December the 10th, which is a Thursday night virtually. That will be the Racy H virtual rally from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. And the next day would be a physical in-person uh, action around midday. However, we're still working on the logistics. How, but once the logistics come out, there will be a flyer on MCU's website. Um, also, my personal website, I'm pretty sure Krishna's personal website and Carmen's personal website um, as to the, the Zoom link and all of that information. Okay, great. Thank you very much. And I want to thank our guest today, Latricia Gandhi, the organizer for the MCU Break the Pipeline campaign, Carmon Leach, a parent organizer for MCU, and Christian Blackman, an organizer for Campaign for Youth Justice. To learn more about MCU, go to the Metropolitan Congregations United website at mcustlewis.org. Also, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for news, events, and how you can participate. I'm Kevin Prang, and you have been listening to This Is What Democracy Sounds Like. Tune in again next time, and thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.